You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Well, so good to see all of you. I love you and appreciate you and and just glad that you're here. And uh, we're going to have a great time. We've already had a great time in worship today, but we're just going to have a great time in the Word. Did you come ready, expecting to receive today from the Word? Well, I know you did. And, you know, Jesus said that when you come hungry, or as we say in the country, hungry, uh, you will be filled. You'll be satisfied. And so I believe that we're going to be filled today. I believe that his word's going to speak to us and uh, we'll be ready to receive all of it. But let's, let's take a moment. Let's just pray before we get into the word. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the word of God. The word of God is alive. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And Father, we believe today to be taught by the Holy Spirit. We agree together for revelation, for insight, Father, open our eyes to truths that maybe we haven't seen before or remind us of things that we have heard that maybe we've let slip and we're not walking into their fullest. And Lord, we just believe for you to uh, quicken that on the inside of us. And I believe, Father, that as we do, every every ear will be a hearing ear, every heart will be a receptive heart, and we're going to receive today from you. And we thank you for it in advance in Jesus' name. Amen. If you came in and you didn't receive a handout, if you want to hold your hand up, we'll get one to you. If you need a pen and want to write some notes down, uh, this is week number six in our series called Love Never Fails. And uh, I want to just continue along the lines and and maybe I'm not trying to forewarn you. I'm just telling you uh, like the previous two weeks, this week might be challenging to you, but that's okay. How many of you know it's all right for the word of, uh, to challenge us every now and then? You know, we were laughing earlier this morning. You know, you, how many of you know every meal you can't have cake and ice cream? You got to have some vegetables. You got to have some stuff that maybe you, you don't really like all that well, but you got to have it in your diet anyway. Well, the Bible's the same way. So we've been over the last few weeks eating some vegetables and I promised, uh, back there that um, we'll get to some cake and ice cream in the next series, all right? How about that? Does that work for you? Amen. Well, let's read our foundation scripture. And by the way, on your handouts, I did not have room to put all of the the foundation scripture. So just read it with me on the screen and uh, it'll be right there in front of you. But again, reading 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, the fourth through the eighth verse, And we're reading from the Amplified Bible, and it says this, Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. Love is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, 
but rejoices when true, right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. And then lastly, the beginning of verse 8 says, love never fails. Say that with me. Love never fails. Say it one more time. Love never fails. Fails. Now that's the love of God that never fails. Human love will fail. Human love will disappoint, and, uh, but God's love will never fail. And as I have been telling you over the previous two weeks, uh, the material, the content, a lot of it that we've been talking about over these uh, particular sermons have come from this particular book uh, by Pastor Rick Renner called Sparkling Gems from the Greek. This is volume one. There's two volumes and uh, it's an awesome book. It's a devotion, 365 days of scriptures where he takes it, he breaks it down and it's not, you know, it's maybe a couple of pages, two or three pages per day and he breaks it down, tells you what the Greek actually says. He is a, a Greek scholar and uh, I highly recommend anything that that man does uh, as far as sermons are concerned or books and materials it's absolutely wonderful. So I love to, and it's an honor for me to be able to give credit where credit is due. Now, next time it might be mine and you might not hear this. Okay. I'm just saying, but I love pastor Rick. He pastors, uh, the Moscow good news church in Moscow, Russia, and has a couple of other churches throughout Eastern Europe and, uh, just great, great ministry that they have going on over there. So we, kind of got into this by looking at the, in this portion of the four words in the Greek language that are used for love. And as I compared it to you, you know, we only have one word for love in the English language and that is L-O-V-E, love. But we apply it to many different things. And I kind of wish the English language was like the Greek in the sense of we had separate words because again, we lose the meaning of what we're trying to say because of just having one word. And I gave you those four words, and, and we won't get into all that today, but there's only two of those four words that are used in the New Testament. One of them is phileo, which means a brotherly friendship type of love. And then the last one is agape love. And so this is the definition. The agape love is the highest kind of love that loves selfish, selflessly and sacrificially. Okay, so love, agape love, is the highest form of love. Now, here's something that I've been saying every week, and, and it would do us good to hear it again, and that is this. Agape love is not based on feelings. Agape love is based on a decision, okay? Because how many of you know sometimes you don't feel like loving certain people, okay? But the Bible still requires us to walk in love. Well, that's where we're going to have to depend on the agape love of God. And incidentally, as I've mentioned to you again in previous parts, Romans chapter five, verse five says that the love of God, this agape love was deposited. One translation says poured out to overflowing in our spirits when we got born again. So you have the means on the inside of you whereby to love people and it's just a matter, do you want to love people the way God loves people? Now, we'll give you the punchline, and the answer is yes. You want to love people the way that God loves people. Because again, love 
never fails. And so when we get over on the God side of doing things, love will never fail and you will never fail. Amen? So we have been doing uh, the previous two weeks an expository line-by-line study of those verses in 1 Corinthians 13. And I'm not going to spend any time reviewing that material for you. If you missed any of it, please go back and listen to the sermons and look at the notes, download the notes. Um, but we're, we're continuing on and we're looking at verses 7 and 8 today. And then at the end, I'm going to give you a full synopsis of all of these verses translated as we have studied them from the Greek language. And those are on the back of your notes. So don't peek over there and look and see and jump ahead, all right? Wait till we get there. We'll study it together. Amen? So let's look at this phrase, love. Verse 7 says, love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. And that actually is a little bit of a mistranslation. And let me explain to you why. And I'll just lay some groundwork to say why. You know, during the pandemic, when, uh, of course, everything was shut down and most of us were pretty much limited to staying home and so forth, um, you know, one of the things I did, I absolutely refused to spend hours a day watching television So what I endeavored to do was I I got on YouTube and began to watch YouTube videos and studied and learned some things. And so I took some classes on YouTube and so forth. But there were some other uh, channels on YouTube that I began to follow. And one of them was a channel by a young couple called Kara, K-A-R-A, and Nate, N-A-T-E, And this young couple, I don't know if they're necessarily Christians or not, but they travel all over the world. They uh, had set a goal starting back in 2016 to go to 100 countries in the world. And uh, so when the pandemic hit, they, um, you know, of course, couldn't travel overseas anymore. And so they bought a conversion, one of those conversion van camper type things, which I love. I want one of those one day. And so they traveled uh, to all 50 states and traveled within the United States and were staying in state parks and stuff. So one of the things that they did, and and they did it once during the pandemic, and then they just recently did it, was they kind of did a a Survivor. Anybody remember the show Survivor, okay? So what they did is they and, and Nate's parents went to an island in the South Pacific and, and allowed themselves to be stranded there, and uh, they had to survive a full, I believe it was 72 hours, and with nothing. And they had, you know, maybe a knife or something like that so that they could, uh, you know, try and get, get some things together. And so uh, I think you can kind of guess with me, if you were in that situation, what would be the first thing that you would try and do for yourself if you were in that situation. If you were uh, stranded on a desert island, uh, what would be the first thing that you would try and do? Somebody just tell me. Say again. Make a fire. fire. Okay. What else? Shelter. That's the word I'm looking for. You would try and build some kind of shelter. Why is that? Because a fire is wonderful, water is wonderful, food is wonderful, 
But if you don't have shelter, you're exposed to the elements. And, and, you know, somebody would think, well, you know, I could think of a lot worse places to be stranded. But you would be amazed that even on this tropical island in the South Pacific, um, that the, the things that, that, you know, they dealt with literal crabs crawling all over. They had bugs. They had uh, spiders. They had all this kind of stuff. And so what enabled the... the uh, shelter enabled them to be able to do was to be able to get sleep and have something that would protect them from the elements. So somebody says, well, what does all this have to do, pastor, with with love bearing up under everything? Well, actually, what this translates to is love will become a shelter for you to protect you Not from the natural elements per se, but from the elements of the storms of life. Love will be like a roof on a house. Could you imagine if we had to come to church on a day like today and have church in a building that didn't have a roof on it? How many of you would come to church? Don't answer that, all right? Okay, but... um, the thing is, is we take for granted something that provides shelter for us and protects us from storms and rain and hurricanes and tornadoes and snow and all of those types of things. But really, that is what this Greek word says when it says love will pr- provide a shelter, a roof over you to protect you from the elements. Now, One of the reasons that Paul uses this particular phrase in the Greek, and by the way, Paul was super duper intelligent. And uh, you can tell by his writings, he was brilliant. But one of the reasons that he uses this particular analogy in the Greek is this, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but you know, now that I'm a little bit past 30 years old, um, I have noticed that life has different seasons. Anybody else ever notice that? That you have periods of time where everything's going great and then you have some periods of time where things aren't going so great. Anybody else ever experienced that? So, so Paul knew in life we're going to have different seasons. And so when a believer is walking in the love of God, what should happen is that if we're caught in one of those seasons where it's raining, if you will, or if it's storming, or there are conditions that aren't favorable for us to be out and about, then the love of God will provide that shelter for us. Now, what that means is this, and if you're taking notes, write this down, please. Like the roof of a house, a friend who moves in the agape love of God will stay near in times of trouble and will hover over you to protect you from the storms of life. That's why, folks, um, you know, we highly, highly, and particularly in the day that we're living in, we underestimate the value of coming together as a corporate church body, okay? And what do I mean by that? There There are great spiritual benefits that take place with being connected to a church family. And you know, one negative thing among others, but one negative thing that came about as a result of the pandemic was 
Now we've got a lot of spiritual lone rangers. What do I mean by that? People, you know, because of being confined at home and so forth, they realized, well, you know, maybe, maybe I really don't need to go to church. Maybe I really can stay home and be okay with God and, and not really need to go to church. And, and unfortunately, I believe that that's where a lot of people are right now. You know, statistics and studies have proven that since the pandemic hit, church attendance has declined in America in, in a lot of circles. And, uh, you know, really, that is a deception of the enemy. The Bible teaches us that a couple of things. Number one, and this isn't in your notes, but it'll do you good to hear it. None of us are designed to function by ourselves, spiritually or otherwise. And what do I mean by that? We need each other. We need what we can provide for each other. And in a local church body, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul made note of this. He said that when every joint comes together, talking about people, when people in a church body come together and are in their place, that there is a supernatural supply that happens that meets the needs of everybody that is connected in that place. And what that means is this, on, on the negative side, it means that when people who are supposed to be present aren't connected, we're all missing out on something. The positive side is this, is that when we all are together and we are connected and every part is functioning where they're supposed to function, that God has promised that there is something supernatural that will happen corporately as for the whole church body and there is something that happens supernaturally for each of us. Now, the reason I say all that is to say that I believe that that's what Paul is talking about here. There is a spiritual shelter that takes place when you're part of a local church. Now, listen, I'm, I hesitate to even say what I'm getting ready to say, but, it, but it's the truth, and I can't hide from the truth just because some have taken it to an extreme. There is a benefit to you for sitting under the ministry of a pastor, okay? Because I am and I am called to be a shepherd. And my job is to nurture the flock, to feed you, uh, provide spiritual food for you so that you can grow. And then the other aspect is there is a certain amount of spiritual authority that I have in your life to protect you from some of the things that the enemy tries to bring to bear. Now, again, I hesitate to say that because some have gone so far extreme in that. You know, there are some pastors that teach, uh, you know, very few, but there are some that teach, well, you know, if, you, if you're going to buy a house, you got to come get my permission. If you're going to buy a car, you got to come get the pastor's permission. If you're going to marry somebody, you got to have the pastor's permission. And maybe, you know, you haven't heard of that, but it does exist and it's wrong. That is not God. That is not biblical. Okay? You can marry now, if you come and ask me for my advice, I'm going to give you my advice and I'm going to give you advice based on the word of God. But it is none of my business what kind of house you buy, what kind of car you drive, and what kind of clothes you wear, you know, and all those types of things as long as it's presentable and so forth. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
But I'm wanting you to see that, that the love of God that's manifested in a corporate body like this will provide a shelter for you to help protect you in the storms of life. And there is a benefit to having not only a shepherd over you, but other believers with you that you can develop a relationship with and they can cover you as well. Anybody ever heard the phrase, I got your back? Okay, if there's anybody that ought to be able to say that and stand behind it, it ought to be Christians, okay? And so what I'm saying to you is in this body, in this particular church, overall, I've got your back. But I want you all to have each other's back or to have somebody in your life that has your back because that is what Paul is telling us. And so, again, like that roof of a house, this is a person who moves in the agape love of God and in times of trouble will hover over you to protect you. Not to try and dominate and control, but to hover, hover over you to provide some type of shelter uh, and protect you from the storms of life. If anything, at minimal, to pray and agree with you and to use our faith together to believe God for you to come out of that storm and come out on top. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, now... Um, Let's move on to the next one. Love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. I'm going to say that again because I'm going to camp here for just a minute. But love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. The word believes there is actually a, a derivative of the word that we use for faith. And what it means is that it's someone that's in a constant continuous entrusting of your faith in something or someone. What it means is this, is that in spite of circumstances, we never give up. Now, somebody says, yes, praise the Lord. I know we don't give up in our stand of faith and all of that. But how about where it relates to each other? Okay, let, let, me, let me just kind of un, unfold this a little bit. Although agape love isn't stupid and isn't blind, what we choose to do is to believe the best of people that we are doing life with. And what do I mean by that? Again, using the local church body. Let's say somebody, you know, I don't think this would take place within our church, but let's say somebody outside of our church is having a conversation with you and they bring up somebody within our church and want to tell you uh, some bad news or can we just say gossip a little bit about what's going on in somebody's life. Here's what the love of God does. The love of God says, well, I don't know what you have heard but I don't believe that person because they're part of me in my church or they're my friend or they're part of my family. I don't believe they're capable of doing what you're saying that they did or are doing. Now, I'm not saying that you're in denial or that you are blind or stupid like I was saying. But what it means is, is that we choose to reject the negative information, okay? So what does that mean? It means this, that uh, 
I refuse to believe that somebody I love is, is going to behave that way. Somebody says, but what if they do? Well, guess what? If they do, then what am I required to do? Somebody tell me. Huh? Love, but what's an action that goes with that? Pray. What else? How about forgive? Okay. All right. So what we have a responsibility to do is to believe the best of everybody in every situation. Now, I'm going to take a little side journey here for just a second, okay? And you know me, I don't get political or anything like that, but I want to say this, and I'm going to, I'm going to make this statement, and it applies. It's very broad-reaching, okay? Anybody that you are praying for, you will not talk negatively about. Okay? So let me, let me use myself as an example. I covet your prayers. I hope you're praying for me. I need your prayers. But listen, it, it's, it's hard for you. No, it's impossible for you to pray and actually believe God for me when you are praying, but then also bashing me behind my back. Okay? Now, nobody's doing that. I don't have anybody in mind. Nobody here is doing that. I'm just using that as an example. Okay? So what, what am I saying? Well, let's take it on a local level, you know, for, for instance, like I just said. But let's take it on a little higher level. First Timothy chapter 2, Paul prayed this. He said, I would that first of all, prayer, supplications, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all those in authority over us so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. That's 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. All right? So here's my point in saying this. We as believers need to be very cautious. Okay? Now, there is a difference between what I'm getting ready to say and standing up for what's right. But what I'm going to say is this, it is going to be impossible for you to pray for those in leadership over you and negatively talk about them at the same time. Matter of fact, if you're going to talk negatively about them at the same time, don't bother praying because you're undoing your prayers. Are you following me? So I can't, I can't say I do not, and you know, and I do typically make this a practice in my life. I don't talk about our leaders. I pray for our leaders. Now, you know, even, listen, <laughs> love believes the best about everybody. Even when policies are made and decisions are made that are bonehead decisions, my responsibility is instead of trashing someone, praying for them. Okay, are you listening to me? Okay, now again, I know that, that you know, we don't practice that, we don't do that, but we, ha you know, there is, um, we, we have to be very, very mindful because there is a fine line and, and I, in my opinion, there are some churches that are crossing that line in what they're doing between standing up for what's right 
and then tearing somebody else down. Okay? The agape love does not behave that way. Am I helping anybody? Okay, so write this down, please. Love, the agape love of God, makes a choice to see beyond the problems and conflicts to strain forward to see the highest potential that resides in every person. You know, again, bring it down to uh, a family level or a church level. See, I want you, and listen, I am a human being. I'm a man. And, it, you know, I, I don't endeavor to, I don't purpose to at all, but, you know, there may be something that comes up and I disappoint you, all right, in some way. But what the love of God does is it looks beyond that disappointment and that failure and discovers the potential that's inside of every person. So, again, I need you to believe with me that the potential that's on the inside of me that God placed in me to pastor is going to reach its maximum and highest capability. If you're praying for your children, you know, listen... (laughs) Children do some crazy stuff. I was a child. I can say it, okay? Now, I'm not speaking about your children, but I'm just saying in general terms. But what you have to do is you have to, again, we're not stupid and blind, but we look towards the potential that God has put on the inside of them, and that's what we're after. That's what we're looking at in love. That's what we're believing for in love and believing that God will be able to bring that out, all right? So although, you know, the person that you're dealing with might have had troubles in the past and, and uh, you know, had some failures in the past, how many of you know we're quick to believe that the future is bright for us, but we need to believe the future is bright for others that we're praying for, okay? And God believes in them just like he believes in you. So therefore, agape love presses ahead, full of faith, reaching forward by faith to see that other person whole, sound, healed, saved, redeemed, and right in the middle of God's will. That's God's plan. And that's what the love of God does. Amen? See, the love of God, the agape love, doesn't know how to quit. Uh, it hangs on even when the going gets tough. And some of us have been through some experiences with others where it's gotten pretty tough, okay? But love doesn't quit. Now again, and I, as I have qualified all throughout this series, I'm not implying you stay in a relationship where abuse is present and all that. I'm talking about in a, in a relationship where two people uh, are just doing the best that they can. You, do you understand what I'm saying? All right, so I want, want you to hear, uh, you know, what, what I'm saying from my heart. So, you know, the question to ask ourselves is, is do we see their potential through the eyes of love or do we see them through the eyes of criticism? Okay, and God wants us to see them through the eyes of love. All right, let's go to the next one. Love's hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. The Greek word for hope is, translates just like the English word does. Somebody tell me, what does hope mean? Expectation. An expectation. 
Hope is an expectation. So love raises expectations and has an expectation of good things, okay? And even though we might visibly see failure happening, love refuses to let go of that expectation. Okay, so, so we might be seeing somebody make some bad decisions. They're making one bad decision after another, but we're praying for them. We're believing God on their behalf and we refuse to let go of that expectation that their life is going to turn around or that they're going to begin to do some things right and make some right decisions. I'm going to say something to you. No, I'm going to save it to, to a little bit later, all right? Uh, just hang on. We'll get to what I'm thinking in just a second. So the phrase, loves, hopes, are faithless under all circumstances could be taken to mean this. Write this down, please. Love always expects and anticipates the best in others and the best for others. The best in others and the best for others. Now, I want to say something to you. You know, when we're loving someone and we're trying to help them, always make sure that you're approaching them, speaking to them, and dealing with them from the angle and with the heart motivation of, I want what's best for you. Make sure, okay, we filter through and we eliminate all the stuff that says, I'm trying to love you because I need my life better. No, we love other people because we want their lives to be better. I want what's best for you. So love always expects and anticipates the best in others and expects and anticipates the best for others. All right, let's go on to the next one. Love endures everything without weakening. Now, the word endures is a, is a great word in the Greek language, and it means this, to stick around, to stay or abide, and it's a compound word, and it means this, that somebody who is carrying a heavy load, who's under a heavy load, refuses to surrender to defeat because you know you are right where you need to be. So love endures everything without weakening. Love doesn't know to quit. Um, write this down, please. Agape love simply doesn't know how to quit. Now, again, I, I feel like I have to qualify this because I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm saying. There might be a time when you have to walk away from a relationship. Okay, those are extreme cases. But again, I'm talking about a relationship where you got two people that are endeavoring to do their very best and to walk with God. And so agape love doesn't know how to quit. See, real agape love says this, I'm committed to be here to stay with you and to work it out regardless of the cost or time involved. I am not quitting, I'm here to stay. That's what the agape love says. This kind of love is completely contrary to the flesh. Man, and we're hearing this a lot 
in culture these days. I've done all I can do. I'm washing my hands of you. I'm out of here. Okay? You know, and it, it's amazing. And again, I'm, I'm not being critical when I say this, but it seems like on a weekly basis, if not every other day, we're hearing about some famous couple and their marriage has fallen apart. Where, you know, in, in public, they looked ideal. How many of you know that we don't know what's going on behind closed doors? And the truth of the matter is, you know, have they really entered into that relationship with, based on the love of God, which doesn't know how to quit, how to walk out, how to, to abandon that situation? So I want to ask you a couple of questions before we move on and, and cover that last phrase. And uh, let me ask you this. Would others say about you that you've been a roof to them, that you've been protecting, covering, and concealing and guarding them during the hard and difficult seasons of life? Would others say that you believe the best about people or would they say you tend to be nitpicky and critical of other people? Okay, what would the answer be? You don't have to answer these. Have you made the decision to stick it out with that relationship no matter how long it takes? Well, let's move on to the last one. And that is how Paul concludes this particular dissertation in 1 Corinthians 13. He ends it by saying this, love never Fails. Say it with me. Love never fails. The word fails there in the Greek language paints a picture of a Greek warrior who went into battle and fell in the battle. They, they got tired or got weak or they fell into some type of ruin or destruction, some kind of misfortune or something happened and it caused them to be defeated by an adversary. What Paul is telling us is the love of God will never fall into that place. The love of God will never get to a place where it's like that warrior who fell in battle. Paul uses this word in 1 Corinthians 13, 8, to affirm the eternal truth that love never, God's love never disappoints. It never fails. It's, you know, and how many of you know it's a truth that humans fail and disappoint each other, but the love of God never fails and never disappoints. You know, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but you've ever been let down by somebody else? Okay. I'm going to ask another question and you don't have to raise your hand on this one. How many of you have been the one to let somebody else down? Okay, you don't have to answer that. Just look at me, okay? Don't look at anywhere around you. Write this down, please. Agape love never disappoints, never fails, and never lets anyone down. People will, but the love of God will not. Now, here's the good news. As you and I make it a practice to walk in the love of God. And by the way, it does take practice. Okay, practice is something that we do so that we can become efficient and proficient at something. And what's gonna happen is, as you navigate through life, you're gonna have opportunities to walk in the love of God. 
And when you realize, okay, I already have on the inside of me what it takes to love that person the way God loves that person, Lord, help me to walk in love towards that person. And then you step out and you decide to walk in love towards them. I can promise you, now walk in the God kind of love, I can promise you that, that as long as you do, agape love never disappoints, never fails, and never lets anyone down. Now what I want to do, flip your notes over. What I want to do for the remainder of our time this morning is I'm going to go through all these verses and as we have broken it down over the last two weeks and today, I want to read all of these phrases with us and I'm, I'm going to make some limited commentary, but just to review what love is, what God's love is, and what Paul tells us by the Spirit of God. Here we go. The first thing he says is love patiently and passionately bears with others for as long as patience is needed. Patience means endurance. Patience means consistency. The next verse or the next section, Paul says this, love doesn't demand others to be like itself. Rather, it's so focused on the needs of others that it bends over backwards to become what others need it to be. You know, the love of God doesn't go around expecting others to be like me all the time. Okay? What the love of God does is ask the question, what can I do to serve you? What can I do to be what you need me to be. Love is not ambitious, self-centered, or so consumed with itself that it never thinks of the needs or desires that others possess. And by the way, I'm sorry, I meant to say this before I read those first two sections, but let me say this to you. As we read these, okay, I want you to remember something. This is not just the standard for how you and I are to walk in love towards other people. This is the way God walks in love towards you. Okay? So let me back up and let me read this. So think about this. God patiently and passionately bears with others for as long as patience is needed. God doesn't demand others to be like himself. Rather, He's focused on the needs of others that he bends over backwards to become what others need him to be. Somebody says, God does that? Yes, he did. Yes, he does. And he did. When we needed a savior, God bent over backwards to provide one, himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't demand that we come up to his level. What he did is in the form of Jesus, he came down to our level to redeem us and to bring us up to his level. Isn't that good? Let's go on. Love is not ambitious, self-centered, or so consumed with itself that it never thinks of the needs or desires of others that others possess. Did you know God operates the same way? God is not self-centered. You know, God is very secure in himself. You know, when we take time and we worship God and we praise him and we lift our hands and we lift our voices and, and we tell him how worthy he is and how awesome he is. It's not a situation where God needs that in order to feel whole. 
okay? He is very much complete in who he is, whether you tell him he's great or not, okay? But what it does is um, it enables him to be able to manifest those things in your life. Love is not ambitious, self-centered, or so consumed with itself that it never thinks of the needs of others and, and that, that we possess. God, I said this to you early on, and, and I really want this to register for you. God sent Jesus into the earth to pay the price for us to live and to ultimately die on the cross, to be dead, buried, and raised from the dead without any guarantee that one human being would respond to it. Do you think about that? You remember I said to you that the agape kind of love gives and gives and gives and gives whether it is responded to or not. So you and I, God has set the standard. So what we have to do is we need to serve and we need to give and we need to serve and we need to give whether we get an attaboy, a thank you, or whatever, whether we get any response or not, love moves and serves regardless of that. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. All right, let's go on. Love doesn't go around talking about itself all the time, constantly exaggerating and embellishing the facts to make it look more important in the sight of others. You know, I heard Brother Hagin say something one time, and if you ever, uh, maybe, and I had the privilege of being around him some in an intimate setting, and the man did not talk. If, if you were in a room where there was just, you know, two, three, four of you in a room, and he was there with you, um, you would have to ask him questions in order to get him to engage in conversation. Now, the reason being is, I mean, he was a quiet person anyway, but he learned a long time ago, and, and I, when I heard him say this, I kind of adapted it into my own life, and that is this. He said, I know everything I know. I want to know what you know. And the only way I can know what you know is if I shut up and listen to you. Okay? So a lot of times, we don't have to go into environments just talking all the time. And particularly talking about ourselves, exaggerating. You remember I said, you know, the old fishing story where you caught a fish and it was this big, but by the time you get through telling everybody it's this big and weighed 300 pounds, okay? That, that is not the way the love of God operates. And we don't have to embellish facts to impress one another or impress anybody else. You know, can I say this to you? If you are confident in the fact that you are secure in God, it really doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about you. All right? So, let's go on. Love does not behave in a prideful, arrogant, haughty, superior, snooty, snobbish, or clannish manner. I'm going to say that again. Love does not behave in a prideful, arrogant, haughty, superior, snooty, snobbish, or clannish manner. What does that mean? You know, I'll just make this comment. One of the things that I regret um, about the Word of Faith movement early on, uh, 
is that we picked up a little bit of a reputation of being very closed in the sense of we were elite, okay? Meaning we knew how to believe God. We knew how to get answers to our prayers. We knew how to, to approach God. And unfortunately, you know, all those lowly Baptist folks, they weren't on the same level we were on. And especially since we got filled with the Holy Ghost and we pray in tongues some, okay? And so what happened is we put ourselves on a little bit of a pedestal and kind of began to think we were a little better than everybody else in the body of Christ, particularly those folks who, who might not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all right? If you didn't do that and you don't know what I'm talking about, just let it go. But what I'm saying to you is early on, that's what happened, and that was not the love of God. The love of God doesn't, listen, we might have some additional revelation from the word that some other folks don't have, but it doesn't make us better. It makes us more responsible because you are responsible for what you know. And if you're not acting on what you know, you're no different than anybody else. But just because we might have a little insight into the word of God that maybe somebody in the denominational circle does not, does not make us better. Am I helping anybody? All right. Praise God. Here we go. Love is not rude and discourteous. It is not careless or thoughtless, nor does it carry on in a fashion that would be considered insensitive to others. Now, there is a time for tough love. There's a time when, you know, love might require you to say something that might hurt somebody's feelings. But what's your motivation? That's the key right there. If your motivation is, I'm endeavoring to help you because I want what's best for you, then I'm going to tell you the truth. If your motivation is, I just am interested in knocking you down a peg or two, then your motivation's wrong. And that's exactly what the love of God does not do. It's not careless or thoughtless. It doesn't, I'm going to add this to it because it kind of implies the same thing. Doesn't spout off at the mouth without thinking about what you're going to say first. Praise the Lord. Nor does it carry on in a fashion that would be considered insensitive to others. Now, listen, I'm not about and not out to uh, offend anybody. Now, I will say this. If in my stand for the truth of God's word, you get offended, that's on you. All right, let's go. Love does not manipulate situations or scheme and devise methods that will twist situations to its own advantage. We talked about that extensively uh, either last Sunday or the Sunday before. Um, manipulation is not of God. That's witchcraft, okay? And God has no part in that and love doesn't either. Love doesn't try and manipulate things to get it to go your way. Okay, here we go. Love does not deliberately engage in actions or speak words that are so sharp they cause an ugly or violent response. Remember we talked about this. Don't try and push people's buttons. If you know what buttons to push, don't do it. Okay, all right. Leave them alone. Yes, hallelujah. Let God have his way, brother. <laughs> All right, here we go. Love does not deliberately keep records of wrongs or past mistakes. Get rid of your diary and your scorecard. 
Remember we talked about that. Okay, quick keeping score of what people have done. Love does not feel overjoyed when it sees an injustice done to someone else, but is elated, thrilled, ecstatic, and overjoyed with the truth. You get excited when you see somebody else get blessed. You get excited when you see right, something that is right, that, that rises to the top. And, and you get excited about those types of things and you celebrate it. Love protects, it shields, it guards, it covers, conceals, and safeguards people from exposure. Okay? Love strains forward with all its might to believe the very best in every situation. Love always expects and anticipates the best in others and the best for others. Love never quits, never surrenders, never gives up. Love never disappoints, never fails, and never lets anyone down. Now, I'm going to say this to you. When you look over that list on the back of your notes there, everywhere love is mentioned, just put God's name there. And that's exactly how God treats you. And so what we need to do is we need to learn how to incorporate these things in our lives. Just know, when you get up in the morning, say, thank you, Father, that the love of God is shed abroad in my heart. I'm a love person. I walk in love towards people. Now here, I, I can promise you what's going to happen. When you get and you leave the house and you get in the car and you're on your way to work, somebody's going to pull out in front of you. Or something's going to happen and you're going to have an opportunity to try what you just confessed you are and you're going to do. Okay? Do it anyway. You know, when that person or traffic's bad and people, you know, listen, I was riding around the other day and it seemed like they had let all the crazy people out of the funny farm in and let them get there in their cars and go driving. It was nuts. I was like, where do all these, where, what is going on? I mean, people just driving like they lost their ever-loving minds. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, and I felt myself getting upset and anxious, and I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get, listen, God's going to protect me. He's going to keep me safe. Lord, just help these other folks get where they're going. And I refuse to lose my peace over it because I don't, I'm not getting out of love with these folks. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the word that we've heard today. Thank you for the love of God and what your love does on the inside of each and every one of us. Father, I thank you and I praise you that your love is that shelter for us. It is everything that we need it to be. And Father, I'm so grateful that you have deposited your love down on the inside of us. Matter of fact, you have said that you poured it out and it is overflowing. And Lord, it's not overflowing for our benefit. It's overflowing for the benefit of other people. And so, Lord, I praise you and thank you that we make the determined decision as believers today that we're going to walk in the love of God, that we're going to allow the love of God to flow out of us to minister to other people, to focus on other people's needs, to allow ourselves to become a living sacrifice for the needs of other people. And Father, I thank you for it. Lord, I pray that as we meditate and we study some of the things that we've talked about over the last six weeks, that Father, it would become revelation on the inside of us and we'll learn and we'll realize 
that we are a love people because we're a God people. We belong to you. And the Bible clearly states that you are love. And I thank you for it. And I praise you for it. Now, Father, I pray for every single person here under the sound of my voice. I thank you for meeting every need. I thank you for healing every physical body. I thank you for showing yourself strong on their behalf. I thank you, Father, for leading, guiding, and directing them in every decision of their lives. And Father, I thank you and I praise you right now for the victory that you have in store for each and every one of us. Lord, we do believe as we sang at the beginning of the service that our best days are still yet to come. And Father, I thank you for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. And we honor you with our lives. We praise you, Father. We worship your holy, precious name. The precious name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, I believe you. I thank you and I praise you. Because you are good and your mercy endures forever. In Jesus' precious holy name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for ministering to your people today, Father. Thank you for peace. Thank you for strength and comfort, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.